0: a marriage has never been better than this. And we got three kids, that's who I do it for. I'm gonna be a leader, I'ma lead the way, cause I'm a leadership podcast hey Bailey leadership podcast with Nate Bailey championship, championship, champion, championship leadership
1: podcast. hey what's up everybody welcome back to the championship leadership podcast and I'm excited we have Don man back with us uh, Don was on I don't know it was probably a year and a half or so ago. But just had the opportunity, if you're watching this, I just happened to have, that wasn't planned, by the way, but I just happened to have my Surviving Man t-shirt on. I had the opportunity to to be a competitor on the show Surviving Man that was hosted and kind of created by our guest today, Don Mann, former Navy SEAL, New York Times bestseller, as well as uh, with co-host Randy Couture, former UFC world champ. So thanks, Don, for being
2: here. It's a pleasure. And you know... One of my favorite parts was getting to meet you in person. (laughs) We talked and we've been on your show before, but it was really nice to meet you in person. And uh, you are such a, and I'm not saying this because I'm on your show or anything, but you're such a professional and you're low key and you're unassuming and you just give everyone else credit where you deserve so much credit yourself that you never even will bring up. So uh, you're so modest and humble and, it was really nice to get to meet you in person.
1: Yeah, well, uh, thank you for that. I appreciate it, and it was uh, was awesome to be able to meet you in person as well, because I know we'd gotten to know each other a little bit over, and that's really the reason I got on the show. I've talked to a lot of people you know, we would all ask each other, right, how we found out about the show. And and you were just talking about, I think, before we hit record that, you you know, you have social media, but you don't really even know it. But the reason I found out about your show was through your Instagram, because someone on your team posted the trailer of it. And I was like, oh, wow, that looks so cool. And then I had the thought, I wonder if they're looking for applicants, contestants, which I did a little digging and saw they were and, and put my application in there. And shortly after that, got the email back to they wanted me to come on the show. So, Happened really fast, but it was awesome. Awesome experience. Glad you had some. Nick. Yeah, you know, one of the things you said, well, I get this a lot. You said it a few times. You're like, oh, man, you're a lot bigger than I thought you were. You were. I couldn't pick up the <laughs> door. I always see. I see you sitting down during the interview. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. I was a little. My daughter just said that too because she watched the show and she's like, "You were a lot taller than most of the people there." And I was like, yeah. "Yeah, yeah, I was," but I guess that's kind of normal for me. But, uh, I
2: think you, Tariq, and Chris, probably the three yeah. biggest guys there.
1: Yep, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, Tariq's a big guy, too. He's, yeah. he's actually probably a little bit taller than me, I think. But anyway, so tell us a little bit. How did this show, Surviving Man, come about? And maybe you could even explain a little bit more in depth of what it is.
2: All right, Nate. Well, Bob C. Fell, who's a director and the producer of the show, he's been in reality TV show business, I mean, for many, many years. And that's his thing. Plus, he works with celebrities all over. His company's called Celebrity Shop or C-Shop TV. And I met him maybe eight or nine years ago, seven, eight, nine years ago, because I did a little bit of product endorsement for him. And I got to know him, and then I got to meet his wife, Tolly, and we became friends over the years. And he knew that I trained people for different things. And he said, you know, someday I want to do a show where you're training people to be seals or climbers or something like that, or adventure racers. And would you be okay with that? I'm thinking, yeah, well, who's going to watch a show like that? I I didn't really get it at that point. Yeah, yeah. I said, sure, Bob, I'll do that. Uh, But (laughs) then years went on. I never even told anybody about it. And then last year, he said, you know, I want the show to be called Surviving Man. I said, oh, boy, I don't know that title. I don't know about that title. (laughs) But um, I guess I'm okay with that. But what would it be? He said, well, we'll get the really good, strong competitors. And great shots and these young studs and they'll come up and compete against you. I said, Bob, I'll get crushed. They'll kill me like in five minutes. I'm 63 years old. (laughs) Even when I was at my finest shape and shooting condition and everything, I'd still get creamed by these guys who were there. And I said, that's not a good idea. He said, no, you know, you're being humble. And he saw me do some exercises some shooting. He said, see, you still got it. I said, no, I don't. <laughs> and and I, I would tell him, I said, uh, I said you could fool the fans, but you can't fool the players. <laughs> somebody who doesn't understand that slow shooting or the groups aren't that tight or those push-ups are okay, but that's only a few of them. If somebody just saw that, they'd think, oh, that guy's in great shape. But if you really understood what was going on, that's not 100 push-ups and that's not fast, fast, tight groups. So I could fool the fans, but not the <laughs> players, those who really know. I said, Bob, that won't work. It won't work at all. And we were in disagreement with that for many months. Every phone call, I said, Bob, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. I said, I'll get slaughtered. You'll, you won't you will even get one episode out of that. So so then I, we were talking, and I started, I thought about it for months. How we are going to make this work? And I thought about it all the time. I was thinking, okay, now I know. I don't know if I shouldn't say a whole lot right now because – The story's not out how it's going to unfold. Yeah. I came up with a reason, which you know about. I came up with a reason to have top, top competitors like you and other people to buy for this program and all show up at one place. And then more of the story unfolded Mm -hmm. that I discussed with Bob. And then he said, that's brilliant. That's what we'll do. That's brilliant. And so it was kind of a surprise to everybody. Yeah. But I, I love the way it worked out because it was it's kind of realistic. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I like that twist in it. And it gave us nine extra episodes. It would have been one if we did it. The other way. <laughs> Maybe well, we'll I don't know. Yeah, the yeah, you, you
1: probably are shortchanging <laughs> yourself a little bit there. But, yes, it was an awesome, awesome experience for sure. How much of a part did you have in who was going to be on the show? Or was that a part for you at all?
2: You know, Nate, when I saw you, that was a total surprise to me. Really? Uh, when I saw you in the Zoom call, okay. uh, I had zero, zero say in it. I was completely, um, there was no phone calls. What do you think of this person or that person? There was zero say in anything. Okay. anything. But I had a thought in my head. I was
1: like, well, I wonder, because I was on the, sh- you know, I knew you a little bit and you were on the podcast. So I was like, that could either help or that could hurt me. And I didn't really know. But well, uh, would have helped <laughs> if they said, what
2: do you think about Nate? I said, yeah, pick Nate. I said <laughs>
1: that, but I wasn't asked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting to know know, how that all works and how it works behind the scenes. I know that the first episode, I think maybe the first few episodes seem like more to introduce each of the contestants and kind of go through the backstory of each one, which is cool to to get to know everybody and then kind of in between. You know a lot of the b-roll and and some of the other things that we were doing to set up the scene for the rest of the show right and and the competition is pretty cool but there definitely was a unique background of people from all different walks of life and uh, that's very similar to the military too right i mean we all you all come in all different walks of life you know and you know seals are no different than any other unit in the military across the board and it's always interesting to see. And of course, we had a shorter time. We had six days to, to kind of come together. But in, in the military, you get a little bit longer time frame. But talk about what that's like from your experience, you know, in the teams, how you saw that happen on the show. Okay. And I know you felt
2: the same way from your, your background in the Army. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. so, uh, yeah, I, I agree with what you just said. I'd never even actually thought about it like that. But, yeah, you like you were an officer. When I came in, I was enlisted, so I went in, I went to boot camp, and I don't even know how many people were in there, maybe 70 or so, and nobody knows anybody, and everyone's from all over the country, and some people are in shape, and some weren't, Yeah, and yep. kind of get to know each other after a while, but you really didn't have to do anything together like what we yeah. did with Surviving Man. And then the same kind of goes through with uh, when I went through BUDS. When you, get, when you go to BUDS, at least you have everybody there who's focused on pushing themselves hard and training hard, and they know what they're in for is going to be kind of grueling.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think
2: that's kind of what we had at Surviving Man because what everybody was told before they got there and the Zoom calls and everything and the, the warning orders, everyone's prepared to, oh, shoot, man, I got to run in the soft sand and the desert and I got to yeah. do these long runs and all these calisthenics and push-ups and bodyweight exercises and high ropes and running through underground mazes and <laughs> desert navigation. So everybody knew that that was coming up in their future and they all had the same mindset like i'm not good at some of that stuff but i know i'm going to deal with it and i think everyone had the same mindset like i think only a couple people were like maybe chris was familiar and you maybe nick a little bit and brandon they were familiar with a lot almost all of it yeah and uh but some uh, most of the people i would say they didn't have all those skills but they had the mindset they all had. The, everyone had the mindset. I'm just going to go in there and do the best job I can. I know it's just going to hurt.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. what I
2: think everybody had there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Talk a little bit about you know championship leadership on the podcast here. The show, you know, it was a competition, and obviously, and there was some money on the line, and there's a lot of competitors there. Not everyone was as competitive as the next. Uh, some were really just there more for the experience and just thought it was amazing. Not that. They weren't giving everything they had. I think everybody was giving everything that they had, you know, to do the best that they could. But at the same time, it was a very interesting dynamic because there was a leadership part to it. And yet there was a, a very competitive part to it. And some were really more so there to compete than they were to, to want to lead anyone. And I thought there were some interesting things going on there. What were your thoughts and, and takes on that?
2: Glad you, I know this is a sensitive subject mm-hmm. and you you were an army officer, a leader, and um, there were a couple leadership issues that I uh, was not happy with, actually. And there was one situation where I was given a brief about going out in the desert and doing land navigation. And not everybody heard that there was a drop-dead time, like you had to be back at a certain time. Yeah. But there was a drop-dead time, and if you didn't hear it, you were making a big mistake by heading out and not even knowing But if you are in a leadership position at that point and it's you're the leader of all these people, you you have to take in consideration. I'm not only worried about myself making sure I get back, but I got to make sure my whole team's safe. So everybody went out, you know, it was a really hot day. And, you know, it's worried about heat stroke, heat exhaustion, you know, scorpions, rattlesnakes, whatever. But people can snap ankles and, and those things could happen. But anyways, they didn't happen, but a couple people, when they got back, and there were still eight-plus people out in the desert beyond the drop-dead time, beyond the cutoff time, they were solely concerned with, well, I didn't hear. What about me? I mean, my points, I'm going to lose points on this. That's not fair. I said, hey, wait a second. You got a whole team that's not accounted for you. you got mm-hmm. people out there. Worry about that first.
1: Yeah, right.
2: So I had that conversation a couple of times with a couple of different people, and And these aren't military people. I mean, you and I, that's embedded into us, that type of thinking. And this isn't a cut down on anybody because the people who are there, like you perfectly said, they were athletes and competitors. Mm -hmm. And they were there to win. I mean, that's how great athletes think. Yeah. But then when you put on another layer, well, you're not only here to win, but if you happen to be in charge of the whole group, that's your primary focus. Yeah. Well, the conversation I had was – Okay, if you are in the lead and you have the most points, we are going to make you the mission interim commander. And that would mean if you have the most points whoever it might be, if you have the most points, you will be the interim commander until somebody with more points comes in and takes your position. But in the meantime, if you have the most points unless you turn it down, you're the interim mission commander. And that means you're just in charge of the mission. So, you have yourself to worry about, but more importantly, you have the whole team to worry about. And I really had that conversation probably three or four times with a couple of people, and it wasn't a nice conversation, you know? Actually, I was told, I said, I don't think you have any respect for me. And I said, as an athlete, I have so much respect for you. As a competitor, I have so much respect for you. As a leader, I don't have any respect for you, and you're not going to stay in that position. Actually, you have till the end of this evolution to let me know if you want to be a leader. If I were you, if you are solely concerned with your own well-being, turn leadership down. Go off. You're going to win this thing, possibly. Go Mm -hmm. do that. Go win it. But you're not going to forget about the responsibility you have, the life and safety of the men and women under you.
1: Yeah. But, you
2: know, it wasn't done maliciously, and it was because these folks came in without military background, and they really came as competitors. Mm -hmm. And then to throw this other leadership thing on top of them is something they weren't used to. Yeah. Uh, But the the results, and I won't say now because it'll probably unfold in the episodes. Yeah. The results, I think, of that conversation and accepting the conversation as it was meant to be, I couldn't have been happier and or admire those individuals more than I do now. Mm-hmm. And just that they handled being spoken to like that. You're just on a TV show. It's not like the military uh-huh. and they take it. And they go, who the heck's this guy talking to me like that for? Uh-huh. And then kind of turn around and be, I mean, then after that, after that night, every single time I was watching people, these people I had these conversations with, all they did was help others. It yeah. was it was really, really nice to see. So yeah. there was no no malintent or anything selfishness or, you know, the world is centered around me. There was none of that. It was just something new
1: to the non-military. Some of the yeah, absolutely. folks. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, there's it was I mean, I I, I got it. I saw it. It was frustrating for me from a, a little bit of a standpoint, too, just for, because of some of the things that were said. Uh, from some of these these folks in these leadership positions early on, probably before the conversations were had with you. But I I would have looked at it as what an opportunity, because I think if you really are a leader, and you look at the opportunity to be in this leadership position, if you take just from a complete different perspective of yes, this is a competition, but man, if I really bring everybody together and make this feel like more of a team, and we all help each other, like we're all going to get the best out of each other, which is going to mean in turn that if he's or she is the best competitor and they do that, they're still going to stay on top. And yet everybody's going to come together and what an amazing experience it could be compared to maybe what it was early on. So, but that's, you know, there's lessons to be learned all the time. And the only way you learn those lessons is through those experiences. So.
2: No, I agree, Nate. I, I really agree. And, and I, I spent a lot of time thinking about it thinking, was that too harsh? I mean, was I too harsh with them in those conversations? Because it wasn't, I wasn't beating around the bush. I mean, I was direct and like talked to those individuals, maybe in a way they've never been talked to before. I don't know. But I think oh, so. Yeah. Uh, in a good, good way that they were open-minded enough to listen to life from another viewpoint, the military actually. Yeah. Another viewpoint. And they open-minded enough to say, I'll give it a shot. And then, not only will I give it a shot, I will try to be the best leader I can possibly be, and I hope to win. That yeah. mentality I felt that happened after the fact.
1: Well, I think the results that you saw after that are all you need to know on some of those questions you might have for yourself, whether you were too harsh or not. It, it seems like it worked and was up for the best, so. I think it was awesome. What what was the experience like for working? Had you met Randy Couture before? Just or? on a phone call. Just on a phone call, okay. And, oh,
2: actually, and, and then before the show started, I went to his gym. Yeah. And he has a bunch of wounded athletes and military vets, and we sit on his gym floor, and everyone goes around and talks of the story, and my God, some of those stories were, they were gut-wrenching hard wow. to have these poor vets come back. Oh, my God, it was just... Uh, i you couldn't make up stories as bad as these lives turned out to be and i was thinking boy randy couture is doing these for this for vets and for athletes the more i get to know randy i mean even if he did nothing as a super sports hero he is the mma champion and the one who saved the mma and even if it wasn't for anything like that i have so much respect for that guy he's such a great person and he's so humble and down to earth and great sense of humor and uh, I, I love working with him.
1: Yeah, no, I know. I had the same impression of him. And uh, I think every I know everybody else did too. I mean, just uh, an amazing man, just like yourself. And uh, it was really all the way around. I mean, everybody involved. I, I came away super impressed with uh, just all the people involved, the friends and the team that you had, that you brought with, that were helping out behind the scenes. And it was incredible. What's it like to have to put something like that together? Because I know they were long days for us, but I know that uh, that wasn't nothing compared to what you guys were doing every single day to, you know, on the administrative side, the operations side, you know, I've had some experience as a leader, uh, not running maybe a same event, but different types of events. And I know what it takes to make everything seem like it's going off without a hitch, which it did. And uh, I know that it takes a lot out of you. And to, to do that and yet to still have to be essentially the star of the show and be on and have energy and uh, be plugged in the way that you were and everybody else was, uh, to me, incredible. But maybe you could talk a little bit about what that week was like for you.
2: Oh, thanks. Thanks for those words. We didn't sleep much at all. Actually, Chris and Ed, my t- two buddies I brought with me, who I've known for 25 years, doing events and things. Actually, I met Ed through the first Seal Adventure Challenge. Okay. I was doing on Seal Adventure Challenges, he came through it, and I met Chris through Odyssey Adventure Racing, doing venture races. Okay. And, uh, we've been friends ever since, all of us. But what we would do? Well, first of all, you guys did all the physical stuff. We we weren't doing anything physical. <laughs> But what after you guys would leave, we would stay at the site, you know, clean up, put things away, talk about what's going to happen the next day and all that. And then we would go to Denny's restaurant and stay there <laughs> till midnight to one o'clock every single night. Yeah. Just doing all the scoring and the leaderboard. Yeah. The leaderboard, we wanted to make sure because Chris and I, we, we needed a way The reason all the events came about as they did is I didn't want the top shooter in the world come in and just beat everybody. I didn't want the studliest physical fitness specimen come in and beat everybody. kind of wanted to get points. The people had a chance to get points for a whole bunch of different things, which is why the Kims game was in there. You know, the real cerebral people, they could do better on the Kims. And the land navigation and the planks and the leaning rest, everything had points. And the shooting had points. So if you're really good at them all, you were going to win. If you had one weakness, you know, but if you were exceptional at one and not good at all the rest, you weren't going to win. That's kind of like like a triathlon. You can't set up a triathlon so the best swimmer is going to win it. Yeah, or the best right. cyclist. You have to have it so it's well-rounded. And so we made a leaderboard, and that leaderboard was complicated <laughs> because we had to get all this targets every night and get all the points from all the different evolutions and put them in every day and put them on a program so I could send it to Steve, the producer, and Bob, the director. And most nights, we didn't finish till one in the morning. And then we'd be up at five. So we slept four-hour nights, probably four Uh hours a night. Everyone had a really good sense of humor. Meals were McDonald's in the morning and Denny's at night. And um, just coffee and coffee and coffee. But we're, we're really, really happy with the way it came out. And now I'm working with Steve, who's doing all the editing, and he'll call. He says, I just need to make sure that this person had the second most points and planks. And I mean, everything was down to a science. And that's how we wanted it. And it felt like the duck. You know, it looked like maybe to a lot of people, the duck was swimming across the water smoothly, but underneath it was frantic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that's how it just happens to be at these things yeah. I think for us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you guys did a phenomenal job with that. Very impressed, definitely, and and uh, the show was an amazing experience. We got to do a lot of uh, just incredible different things. The evolutions were all awesome and and uh, very fun, very challenging. You know, that's um, you know, I I have experience with shooting, but not yeah. a ton. Some of these guys are like competitive, <laughs> like all out, like and I haven't. I sh- I hunt a few times a year and maybe shoot now and then, but uh, so that was challenging for me but it was very fun too and just doing the best that you could and it was you know you just let it uh, lay where it might and like you say you got strengths in certain areas and you just got to keep showing up with a you know and there was one or two evolutions where I felt I could have done much better than I did and you just got to forget about those and keep going right and uh, just keep a positive attitude as much as possible and and also just enjoy the experience along the way to not get too caught up in that. And uh, I'm afraid that, you know, c- certain people you get too caught up in competition or whatever, and you kind of lose the experience of everybody else that's there and the friendships and the connections that you can make and, and the opportunity that you actually have to be like, man, this is pretty cool. Like, when am I going to do this again? Probably not again, but you know, right. So
2: I agree. And, and I'm a victim of doing that to myself so many times in life. Mm -hmm. I do this competition and all that matter was given everything I have to go forward as fast as I could. And then people would say, Hey, did you see this? Did you see this?
1: No, I didn't. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, We've all been there for sure. We've all done that. Well, talk a little bit real quick about you have a new, it's called tar, correct?
2: Yeah. What is that? Okay. So, so I'm, I'm older. I'm 63 and I was around when the marathon boom was big in the seventies mm-hmm. and it took over my life. I just loved the marathons, you know, and I just, before I was a marathon, before I was a runner, I ran Boston marathon because I thought I could just put one foot in front of the other and not, and not quit. And I wasn't <laughs> even a runner yet. Then I did 30 more in that three year time span and then went on to the ultras, And I just loved being a marathon runner. Yeah. And the marathon boom, thanks to Bill Rogers and Frank Shorter, they made this marathon boom so big and exciting. That's what people talk about for the extreme sports. But then in 1979, when Sports Illustrated had an article on this new race out in Hawaii, the Hawaii Ironman, Mm -hmm. somebody gave me that May 79 issue of Sports Illustrated talking about this big, big race. And the marathon was just part of it.
1: And my God. I went out there. That changed my life for the next 10 years. Wasn't the first one a group of SEALs? Pardon me? Wasn't the first Ironman a group of Navy SEALs? Well, uh, the group of Navy SEALs did a lot of multi-sport racing at the time.
2: John Dunbar, who got second in the Ironman, he was one of them. Conrad Kress, there were a bunch of them who would do them. But the one in Hawaii, the Ironman in Hawaii, that was a Navy SEAL commander. Okay. And two other guys, and they were sitting around saying, you know... (laughs) I wonder who's, if you do, there's a rough water swim, the Oahu rough water swim. And then there's around the island, 112 mile bike ride. Yeah. That people would do every year. Then they had the Honolulu marathon yeah. and they were talking. I wonder who would be the toughest of the three. And then someone said, well, if somebody could do all three, that'd be a real Man. Yeah. So yeah. that was Commander Collins was his name, okay. who was one of those. guys in the a SEAL, okay. but um, he's in the Navy. And anyways, um, so that was like out of this world, a race that big. Mm-hmm. And, and so I went out there to do that and that changed. Then I was so excited because now there's three sports yeah. and again, upper body workout instead of just running all the time. And I love the cycling, but then that took over my life big time. I mean, mm-hmm. went on and did many, many, many triathlons. I got smaller and smaller and smaller, but then also we got doubles and triples going on and off-road Ironman. But then all that stayed super exciting for me for about 10 years until adventure racing started. And now there's 10 maybe sports, mountain biking and climbing and ice, everything that's harder. Yeah. And you have everything on your back. You're carrying it all in a backpack. And you're going up 500 to 600 miles. You're not in a city like an Ironman. You're out in the mountains somewhere. And boy, then my life was really tucking over, <laughs> taken over by all that. And I just completely fell in love with the sport. Had an adventure racing academy, wrote the first book on it and did every adventure race I could find. And then obstacle course race. Actually, Joe DeSina, who used to do yeah, my adventure races, Joe said, Don, we got to come up with something new. Something new has to happen. And he came up with Spartan. Yeah. And, and I was the CEO of an obstacle course racing company called Battlefrog. And even then, I didn't really get it. You know, I was thinking, well, boy, all these obstacles are man-made. And they're in a park. And you're running around in a park and jumping, getting muddy. But what I did get was it got 10,000 people a weekend off the couch yeah. and racing. And I yeah, love yeah. that part because marathon to triathlon to adventure race, things were getting harder and harder and harder. Now, all of a sudden, two or three hours around a park, I wasn't capturing the greatness of this new sport that yeah. Joe really was helpful in developing or super beneficial for the sport's sake. But as the CEO of a battle frog of obstacle course racing company, I realized we had a big warehouse. We had a construction crew of like 20 people. We had all these big trucks. We had to build all these obstacles in the warehouse, load them up, go build them on some place for three days. The yeah. races would come through Saturday, Sunday, tear them back down. People are unhappy because of what we did to the land. It was so expensive. Yeah. I always thought, why not just use terrain? Not use, no. kind of like an no. adventure racing. Mm-hmm. Not use man-made obstacles. Let's use real rugged terrain. And it was funny because right before this call, I was on the phone with Brad at Front Sight because okay. that's probably going to be the first race. At front oh, very cool, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so then Jay Smith, who's legendary world class climber, him and his wife Kitty Calhoun are two of the most well known climbers in the world. And uh, actually, Jay taught me to climb back in the early days of SEAL Team, and wow. he's legendary. He uh, he put on a ropes course for us once at Primal Quest Adventure Race, and he broke a world record, it was six miles long with these giant rappel <laughs> Tyrolians. No way, he just only knows how to do big, big things, yeah. So terrain adventure racing, the concept is more physical than an obstacle course race. Where obstacle course race is fun and exciting, and mm-hmm. there's high ropes, and it's muddy. And, but terrain adventure racing is using natural terrain. It's not tearing up the land and all that. Yeah. But it's making natural obstacles. We're calling them challenges. And there's 10 stations. You get to a station, and there's five challenges there. And if you get to one station, it would be a bodyweight station, Every other station's a bodyweight station. The ones in between the bodyweight stations are rope stations. Oh, cool. So one bodyweight station, there'll be there'll be a placard there say, okay, um, tricep push-ups or, or regular push-ups or close grip push-ups. But there'll be five exercises you have to do. Then you get your card punched. Then you run off to the next one. Then there's a rope station where there's five low-to-the-ground ropes challenges that are for functional fitness. You mm-hmm. do all five, and you get your card punched, you run off. So there's 10 of these stations So there's 50 stations, 50 exercises, and about a 10K. Actually, tomorrow I'm going to do a time trial here in Virginia of the course that's going to be here in Virginia. And so really when someone's done, and I'm not trying to say this is going to be way harder than obstacle course racing, but they'll have run over six miles and done 50 exercises and none of it's going to be easy. Right. And, um, you know, like for instance, (laughs) squats, if it says 30 squats, some people might have to take. 10 sets to do 30 squats. Yeah. But the card there says 30 squats. You do 30 squats and you move on to the next one. And so you get to these conditioning areas and each conditioning area has five exercises. And there's, there's 10 of those. So it's called terrain adventure racing. And then when we started thinking we've been getting, a because of surviving man, a lot of people want weapons in it.
0: Okay. And I
2: wanted two themes for trained adventure racing. A natural woodsy uh, feel. I didn't want a lot of bright colors or balloons or uh-huh. the carnival circus yeah, look. Yeah. Just wanted So if you looked in the woods, you couldn't even really tell that there was a race course yeah. there. Yeah. It was natural. But I also wanted a patriotic theme to it too. Mm-hmm. So there's a flag raising and there's music, there's patriotic music and um, so awesome. you're grateful for our country and you're grateful for the land it's on yeah. and you're pushing yourself hard. And as far as the big, all the bright colored stuff that you see at all the races, just didn't want any of that. Just yeah. wanted it natural. And for Las Vegas at Front Sight, which really loved that place, we were thinking, you know, so we're going to be at ski resorts for train adventure racing. And there's probably 12 or so ski resorts right now that we're talking to. Okay. And this will all be next year in 2000. Yeah. But the next surviving man is supposed to be scheduled in the time frame after the SHOT Show, which is the February time frame. Okay. So what will probably happen, we'll probably go to the SHOT Show. With one of the big directors and sponsors, Tony McKnight from Big Daddy Productions. And then have Surviving Man, the Celebrity Edition. And then, and this is all preliminary talks right now. Yeah. And then after that, to have TAR Tactical. And that's with the guns. Okay. So you still do all the 10 body weight things with the ropes. Yeah. But then the stations with shotgun, pistol, and long gun. Oh, that's awesome. Kind of like what you did, condensed in yeah. for five hours. That sounds amazing. I love it. Incredible. Exciting. And it's so much easier to set up in an obstacle course race with all that construction and all that. Right. And we're not, look, you know, it's I think in construction costs now, what used to a two by four would cost oh, yeah. $3 now oh, yeah. it's like $12. I don't know how they're going to stay in business. Yeah. I hope it gets
1: better for that, but for yeah. that reason, but I like well, the natural well, terrain feel of this whole concept. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. What's it been like? Have you been a part of anything like surviving man before? You know, in the military, you know, we did things like that, but never
2: that would last for five days. You know? yeah.
1: Well, I mean, um, as far as like a show and uh, like, yeah, from a TV production side of things. Last summer
2: I did the brigade and that was a 750 mile paddle through Canada. And I the was event? part of that. I was an athlete in that. And that was a, a great, great event, I thought. And they did a really nice job filming that. Is that a team event? The- Pardon me? Was that a team event? Yep. There were 10 of us who started, nine of us finished and it was um, 750 miles. And the same way the the early explorers in Canada, explored Canada and did the fur trading and all that, we replicated what they did in the big giant 600 pound boats. And then we had rapids and then we had all types of boats and portages over the the mountains. It, It was hard. Yeah. I lost like, I think, 16 pounds or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was skin and bones when I got out of there. I <laughs> believe it. Yeah. We Does didn't go out or anything. I think we burnt, We some days we ate a couple hundred calories and burned thousands of calories. So yeah. we just were shrinking up to nothing. Yeah. Right. Good diet. Is that show released? Oh, yeah. That was released. And it was on the Outdoor Channel. Okay. It was a Canadian show, but it was broadcast in the U.S. too. Got it. Very cool. Yeah. The Brigade. Yeah, no. actually, it it's work? funny because um, it was the same thing, like what you went through. Yeah. I was just one of the contestants. And they, I said, you know, I'm over 60 years old. They said, yeah, we know, we know. It's so <laughs> the oldest one They Actually, I think I was older than all the parents, the other people. <laughs> <laughs> there were grizzly bears up there and there were oh, polar wow. bears up there. Polar I bears? Have, polar bears, yeah. I have no pictures way. on my phone of the polar bears up there.
0: And oh, um, when we
2: were in polar bear country, in the areas where there are polar bears within 100 meters of us, we had two big Native American Indians with shotguns protecting us so yeah. we could sleep there on the ground. Oh, wow. Yeah, they,
1: they hunt human beings. They're the only animal that I was going to say, they human do, human yeah. yeah. And uh, hope your security didn't fall asleep. <laughs> you know, it was really like you think of a reality TV
2: show of, you know, the contestants doing their thing, and next door there's a big hotel with all the staff and everything. Uh-huh. It wasn't like that at all for this yeah. group. I mean, we were out there paddling every day and, and camping out every night, but they yeah. were next, you know, on another island camping, going through the same hardships we were. Yeah. And yeah. they didn't have any food really either. You know, they had more than we did, but there was a real deal being there
1: with them, with their crew. Yeah, very interesting. Well, as we wrap this up, what are some uh, lesson or two that you really learned from the surviving man? experience up until this point, it's still kind of going on, right? Cause it's getting ready to be released, get some cool feedback. And I'm really excited, of course, to see how you guys all put it together and what the storylines come out of it from us being there. But for you on your side of things, what was a lesson or two that you really learned through this experience that might help someone else listening in? You know, Nate, I think earlier on in our conversation today, we talked about
2: leadership and how I had to have a conversation with a couple of folks because I'm coming from my mindset. And I was talking to folks with a different mindset.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Neither was right or wrong. I think where I probably got a better understanding or what I came out of it as far as leadership goes mm-hmm. is that people come from all walks of life and they come with different agendas. And it doesn't make anybody right or wrong, but it does mean that you can you can see eye to eye. And if you can talk and you can discuss in a nice way, in a, not a nice way, but in a a way that's right to the point what has to be done well this is where i'm coming from well this is where i'm coming from that if that can be done a lot of times it can go smooth sailing after that yeah. as long as it's good communication and a good understanding and i think a lot of times maybe when leadership doesn't work is when they, there is not that understanding yeah. from who's ever given the direction and whoever's receiving the direction and i think if a person understands the mission, understands what has to be done, accomplished in that mission, and what the consequences could be if that is not done. If those objectives are clearly stated, I think leadership becomes much more attainable. And the other thing is everybody there is fun watching, you, everybody. Everybody at some point gave input from the leadership position, and everybody also received input as a follow so everybody were great followers and great leaders. And I think a great
1: leader has to be a great follower too. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you coming on for those that are listening. I know you said you're not on social media all that much, but has, actually. <laughs> you have written some incredible books and really the one that I came across that had me reach out to you initially was your Inside SEAL Team 6 book, which is tells a lot about your story and your life which was an incredible book. And I know some of the contestants didn't even know you had that, but I was like, what? You guys haven't, you guys haven't <laughs> didn't know that he wrote this book. It's, it's a awesome book, incredible read. So if anything, go check that out. Very well done. So, but yeah, thank you so much, Don. I really do appreciate you and uh, everything you've done for me and, and that you're doing for others. So
2: thank you, Nate. It, it, it's so good to see you again. And I look forward to staying in touch.
1: Absolutely. Have a great day.
2: Thanks, Nate. Bye-bye
0: Marriage has never been better than this And we got three kids, that's who i do it for I'm called to be a leader I'ma lead the way, I'm a firm believer We can do anything we want Look, at, I said it, then I made it I probably already did it Consider it done Consider it done If you need some inspiration, you should play this Championship Leadership Podcast